Would you turn with me, please, to the Psalms? We want to look at Psalm 39 and a few verses out of it, please. Psalm 39, beginning to read at verse 4. Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days, what it is that I may know how frail I am. Behold, thou hast made my days as an handbreadth, and mine age is as nothing before thee. Verily, every man at his best state is altogether vanity. Selah. Let's think about that. Surely every man walketh in a vain show. Surely they are disquieted in vain. He heapeth up riches and knoweth not who shall gather them. And now, Lord, what wait I for? My hope is in thee. Deliver me from all my transgressions. Make me not the reproach of the foolish. We'll stop there. We know the Lord will bless the reading of his own divine and inspired word in public. But let's just bow where we are in a word of prayer and ask the Lord's blessing on the word of God this evening. Father, we thank and praise you for your word. We thank and praise you for your son. We thank and praise you, Lord Jesus, for your blood. And we thank you for this great salvation, so full and free. Lord, help us tonight to see ourselves in the light of the scripture. And help us tonight, Lord, to reach the lost through thy spirit and word. We pray, speak deep into hearts. And as you deem fit, Father, we pray that you would draw men and women to the cross of Christ. Lord, we pray that salvation would be found there, for there alone is our redemption. We love you and we worship you. We thank you and we praise you and we bless you. And we ask it all in the name of our Lord and Saviour, thine only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. David, King David, the psalmist David, here he asks three questions of the Lord. In verse 4 we find the first question, Lord, make me to know mine end. What he's saying here is in this declaration, he's saying, Lord, what will happen to me when I die? What will happen to me when I die? The second one is found in the same verse. And the measure of my days, what it is. Here he's saying, Lord, how long have I got before I die? How long have I got before I die? And thirdly, he says in verse 4, that I may know how frail I am. Who am I as I approach my demise and death. Notice what will happen, he says first. What will happen to me? What is after death? Is that the end? Is that the finality of it all? There's many people think so. There's many people think that after death you cease to exist forever. That we're like the animals 
that we're like the birds of the air, that we have no uh, spirit within us, no soul that will continue on in life. We're just part of this big, bang, evolving creation. And so when we die, that is the end of our existence. There's no more uh, judgment. There's no heaven. There's no hell. There's no afterlife. And that is what many people tend to think. The psalmist is saying here, Lord, make me to know mine end. In other words, Lord, when I'm finished, when my life is over, what is next? What is next? Maybe there's a man or a woman here and you've thought these things. Well, that's the end of us. Many even think that if there's a heaven, we all go there. That there's no such place as a lake of fire. There's no such thing as a judgment. And yet the scriptures tell us that the wages of sin is death. But after this, after death, the judgment. And so we're told that there is a judgment bar. There is a judgment seat where every man and woman will stand before God. And that righteous judge, the Lord Jesus Christ, will judge men and women whether they are saved or lost, whether they have accepted his sacrifice or whether they have rejected him. And there they will stand either guilty or innocent. They'll stand in their sin because they've rejected him or they will stand righteous because of him and they have accepted him. Lord, make me to know mine end. What happens after I die? Maybe you've thought that in the night watches. And if you think that we all go to heaven, if you think that every person, every man and every woman goes to heaven, then you are gravely mistaken, my friend. And if you think just because someone is a good person, then there they find themselves somewhere where there's party gates and golden streets. And there they find themselves somewhere where they're accepted and meet all their loved ones who went on before. Outside of Christ and rejecting the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, rejecting his blood that he shed on Calvary's tree. And there because of it, many think, well, I can live how I like in this life do what I want in this life and reject Jesus, what he has done for my life. And there we'll all die and go to heaven. Granny such and such who knew not Christ and Uncle Bob and whoever else that has lived according to the worldliness of, of this life and lived according to the lusts of the flesh and the lusts of the eyes. And the pride of life, as the scripture says. And so, because they lived such a fashion and such a lifestyle, and they have died. Surely because they're good to us and family, and because they're good as we deem them good as a person, they must surely be through those party gates by now. Friend, I'll tell you, that is a fallacy. And that is a lie. 
I once knew a man, and this man heard the gospel week in and week out. He came to a church where I was pastoring, and he sat and heard testimonies of God's saving grace. He heard how Christ had reached people through the word of God, and how he had cleansed them through the blood that he shed, their faith being solely and totally placed upon Christ alone. And now they were testifying of a changed life, what Christ had done for them. Seen him sitting there in many of meeting, spoke to him. And yet there were times I was driving out through certain roads and there he was lying on the ground, stone cold, out, drunk. And there he was, a drunkard with his drink stinking from him. Many a times I stopped and tried to lift him up and I brought him home. And I tried to bring him round. Many a times it happened. And one time the door rapped. There was a man came to my door I'd never spoken to before. And he said, you know such and such? And I said, I do. He says, would you come round to this? It was a bar. I think he's going to die. So I ran round and went into the pub. And I don't frequent bars from I've been saved. But I went into the pub and there he was stretched out on the floor. And by this time the paramedics had come and were working on him. And there the man died. He was sitting on a bar stool full of whiskey. And he dropped stone dead. I was on my knees. I was on my knees with the paramedics. And that man left there. And he left in his sin. The church, the meetings, the testimonies done him no good at all. What is after my life? What is after this death? Friend, I'll tell you. And it's sad and it's terrible and I don't say it with joy. I don't rejoice in it at all. I grieve over it. That man was launched out into eternity without Christ. And I'll tell you, a certain minister came to my home and asked me to partake in his funeral service. And he says his name and he said, such and such, sure now, he's up there with St. Peter. And there he is in glory. And I stopped him and I said, whoa, 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 hold on. You don't know that. This man died in his sin and without Christ. And I'm not being hard. I'm being truthful. Because many were standing that day and sitting under the word of God in a funeral service. And they would have heard that he lived. They knew him, that he died in his sin and we still in heaven. And those people who would sit under that would think they could live like that and rather be warned of the judgment that is to come. And I said to the minister, I will not partake in this funeral if you put this man in heaven running around with the rest of them. But rather leave him to the mercy of God. And so he decided he would change his sermon because he was confirmed into his denomination. doesn't matter what denomination you're confirmed into, friend. You may be confirmed into a denomination, but you must be born again. You must be washed in the blood of Christ. You must be saved. And you must turn away from your sin. 
and go on to follow God. Notice here, the psalmist says, Lord, make me to know mine end. What is after this day? Friend, I can tell you, there's a big, big difference. When I go to bury, and I've buried many people, there's a big difference in burying a man or a woman who knew Christ and loved him and served him and have left this scene of time. We're absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. It's a big difference of the service than it is to try and scramble to find something to help the grieving family and friends of someone who knew not Christ but yet wanted me to bury him, to bury her. It's a big difference, friend. Can I ask you, if it was your end tonight, if it was your end tonight, where would you be? With Christ, which is far better? Where would you be? Would you be standing in judgment on that day? Standing in your sin. First of all, Lord, make me to know mine end after death. Secondly, and the measure of my days, what it is, or how long have I got? Scriptures tell us to boast not thyself of tomorrow, friend, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. We always say, well, we'll go do this and we'll go do that, but friend, we should always say, if the Lord will. The book of James tells us we should say we will do this and we will do that, God willing. The very breath in your lungs, my friend, are there because God has afforded you in his grace to give you another chance, another opportunity, another day, another evening, another meeting, another drive-in. To get right with him. To surrender your life to him. Today. Listen. The scripture says today. If you hear his voice. Harden not your heart. How long have I got? No one knows. We're not the boast of tomorrow. Because it does not belong to us. Even if you're a child of God. Tomorrow isn't promised us. But what we know is. Because we're saved. Because we're trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ for our salvation, our full redemption, for the forgiveness of our sins, that he and he alone hath paid our debt in its fullness once and for all at Calvary. We know that should we leave this scene of time, this very evening, or even this very moment, we know that we belong to Christ and none can pluck us out of his hand, that we are Christ's, and Christ for all eternity. I don't know what this evening brings, and I don't know what tomorrow brings. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know this. I'm trusting in the Lord for all things. Notice the measure of my days what it is. In the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, reading from verse 1, 
Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1 says, To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. Notice, a time to be born and a time to die. A time to be born and a time to die. Listen, friend. You can go to your council office. I must go to Belfast City Hall. And there I can show you a birth certificate. It's on the scrolls and on the roll books of the day and the hour that I was born. There it is. The 20th of the 11th, 1966. There's my birth date. There it is in the book. But there's going to come a time when someone else will go down to the city hall and that book will be opened again. And should Jesus tarry, there, there will be a date of my death. When I go to my family grave, I have four in the same grave. My mom, my dad, and my two sisters. When I go to the grave and there I see this, their names written one after the other. There they are, and the date of birth, the date of birth, the date of birth, and the date of birth, and at the end of it, the date of their death, their death, their death, and their death. And there I see from one date until the next, that is the span and the measure of their life. Friends, some are short, and some are longer than others. And here the psalmist, David says, Lord, make me to know my end and make me to know the measure of my days, what it is. How long, O Lord, have I gotten? Listen, friend, I remember not so long ago, a friend of mine, we were, we were going to go out and he was to pick me up he got a new car. And he was to pick me up and we were going out and he never turned up. And coming around a tight bend, he rolled his car over three other cars. And there we buried my friend. How long have I got, Lord? Have I got the rest of this evening? What is the measure of my days, Lord? Have I got till tomorrow? The next day, the day after that, next week, I'm already speaking to my wife coming here in the car. Thoughts flying through my head. I know, Alison, I said what I'm going to preach, I think, next Sunday. The Lord willing. Because I don't know. I don't know whether we have that measure of days or not. Friend, you don't know how long 
you have. And you don't know how short the days may be. Notice what the psalmist says here. Thirdly, that I may know how frail I am. That I may know how frail I am. One of the most important things that you must realize before you can get saved is how frail you are. How fleeting we are. Job, the old patriarch, even he said, my days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. Job, who thought he had it all, he had position in the council where he lived. He sat at the gate. In other words, he was in the council. He was known. He was a man of riches. A man with plenty, a man with friends, and a man with family, a man with livestock, a man doing well, and suddenly it was all gone, and he finds himself, even his health deteriorating, sitting in dust and ashes, with a dry, broken piece of pottery, a pot shared, saith the scriptures. And there he scrapes his skin with mad itch, trying to relieve himself. Trying to relieve that which he's going through. Lost his family. Lost everything. And friend, I can tell you, that man, Job, he said even today, is my complaint bitter? In other words, he says, I can't get any relief of this. And in it all, and through it all, friend, maybe you're going through something tonight, I can tell you. Everything, Christian, that comes your way breaks our heart, hurts us hard, and digs deep into us, I can tell you. Every part of it, God will bring something good out of it. Romans 8 and 28 tells us, For we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. And God is working something good for you, Christian. Don't give up and don't give in. You might be in that ash heap at the moment. Your heart might be in your boots. Your spirit might be weak and your faith might be down. But I can tell you, friend, Christian brother, sister, do not give up and don't give in. You may say my complaint, even today, my complaint is bitter. My stroke is heavier than my groanings, he said. In other words, I can't even begin to tell you nor explain the pain of my heart. And maybe that's you, my friend, my brother, sister in the Lord. I can tell you. God blessed Job double at the end of it for trusting him through it. And God will make a way where there seems to be no way. And God will bring the blessing to heap it upon your head again. 
like coals of fire. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Notice here, we find the psalmist saying that I may know how frail I am. Job says, look how frail I am. I cannot help myself. God, please get involved. Problem is, many people don't realize how frail they are. Especially younger people in fullness of strength, proud in their heart, fullness of mind, thick-headed many. They don't realize they're frail. So frail that they cannot help themselves. So frail that they cannot save themselves. Listen, friend. The word frail here, that I may know how frail I am. That's the first word, first time the English word frail is mentioned in your Bible. Very first time. That's something like 478 chapters from Genesis to this point, plus the 39 Psalms. This is the 39th. 18 books. And this is the first that they realize the word frail is there. Yet the fragility of man is from the very beginning at the fall in the Garden of Eden. Oh, how hard is man. How stubborn can we be. And how rebellious is the heart of the depraved nature of fallen man. Friend, I can tell you, God knows how frail you are. And God sent his son in the frailty of flesh that you and I might be saved. Christ kept the law we couldn't keep. And Christ lived the life we couldn't live. And Christ died as our substitute in our room instead. Look at verse 5 as we round this up. Behold, thou hast made my days as in handbreadth. Now he's starting to realize how frail he is. Starting to realize his fragility here says that he isn't promised tomorrow. He doesn't know the measure length of his days. And then after this, well, there's a judgment. And so he realizes, after this, I meet God. And he says, Behold, thou hast made my days as in handbreadth. See the word for handbreadth just while we're here. People think it's a span, fingertip to thumb tip like this. No, no. It isn't even, it isn't even as long as that. It means a closed palm from side to side. In other words, it means it's shorter than you think. It's shorter than you think. I remember when I was in my teens working in a place in Belfast, I remember... There was a man called Jerry, and he was 24 years of age, and Jerry was getting married. And I remember thinking to myself, whoa, Jerry, you're an outlaw. You're an old boy. You're 24. Imagine getting married. What, what an old person. Now I'm looking back, and I'm more than double Jerry's age. 
the hand breadth. It's shorter than you think. It's not the span, it's this. And it's shorter than you think, my friend. The days are fleeting, and we're in vanity, and we are frail. Notice, mine age is as nothing before thee. Verily, every man at his best state is altogether vanity. Sila, pause a minute, think about it. We're vain, vanity, like the wind, like here today and gone tomorrow. The harvest has passed. The summer has ended. And we are not saved, say some. Friend, would you get saved tonight? If you're not saved? Notice what it says in verse 6. Surely every man walketh in a vain show. That's man's proud heart. That's man in his pride and his arrogance against God. Notice, surely they are disquieted in vain. He heapeth up riches and knoweth not who shall gather them. And now, Lord, what wait I for? I pray that is what you're saying tonight if you're not saved. What am I waiting for? That I won't come to Christ. What am I waiting for? Of everything to gain and nothing to lose. What wait I for? For my hope is in thee. And if you don't see how frail you are and your inability to save yourself, if you can't see that you're a sinner, then, friend, here's what Jesus says. I am not come to call the righteous, self-righteous, the pride. I'm okay, people, but sinners to repentance. I finish with this. Thank you again for your attention and your attendance this evening. Notice in verse 8. Deliver me. Here he cries. Here's your cry. Deliver me from my transgressions. Make me not the reproach of the foolish. Don't make me like those who are dying without Christ, Lord. Deliver me. Here is repentance unto life. Deliver me from my transgressions. The thing is there for transgressions. You know what it means? It's the word pasha, and this is what it means. Gives the idea, deliver me from my revolt. Deliver me from my rebellion. You know what he's saying? My very inner man, my nature of my flesh, my heart and my everything is in revolt against everything that is righteous and good and godly and holy and true. That's man, friend. That's who we are outside of Christ and without him. I rebel against you. I revolt against your word. That's what's happening in our land and in our nation. Men and women, young and old, revolting against the word of God. Rebelling against the law of God. I can tell you, friend, Scriptures tells us about rebellion. It says rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Imagine that. God looks at it like it's witchcraft. And people think we will go to heaven. When we die without Christ. 
that we will be in the kingdom when we die without Christ. I leave you with this verse. Proverbs 28 and verse 13 says these words. He that covereth his sins. It's the same word for transgressions. Deliver me from all my transgressions. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Friend, would you like mercy tonight? Would you like to find mercy tonight? Even though in our old man and woman nature we are rotten, we are revolt against God, we revolt against his word and his gospel, we rebel against him and his law, and we're found in our transgressions and in our sins. For sin is a transgression of the law. And so the law breakers, the sinners, must be judged. But you can find mercy tonight. You can find mercy at the cross Calvary. You can find mercy tonight under the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. You can find mercy tonight in this place under the word in your car right where you are for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. May God bless his word this evening to all of us. But may God bless his word to those who are unsaved. Keep speaking to your heart. And may you come to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't leave it too late, friend. We do not know the length of days that we have left. Again, I'll stand at the corner. And if you want to speak to me about your soul, we'll be willing, more than willing, to talk to you about the Lord Jesus Christ. May God bless you tonight. And again, thank you. Thank you for your encouragement and coming. We're going to sing another piece. Glenn's going to let us know.